Y'all ready for the word? Uh, so this one's going to have a little bit of um, some of the stuff we talked about last week, but there's a lot of uh, really cool stuff. Am I seeing something or do you see it? Nothing. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> this is a it's, a, it's a really, I think, very interesting uh, glimpse into the behind the scenes of the Christmas. Um, every year we preach this or I preach this, I teach this, I, I, I see something really cool. Uh, God, how do you guys know that the Bible is alive? Like the Lord is, uh, he, if you ask him to show you something, reveal something new to you, fresh, he'll do that. Amen. It's, it's, uh, it's very, it's very enlightening. The Holy Spirit is, uh, wonderful in teaching us and drawing us near to Jesus. And that's what I believe will absolutely happen here. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is always true. It's always on time. It's always perfect. It is alive. It's life to us. Father, thank you for going before this service and just opening up the ears, the hearts, the minds of people that you have brought here for this appointed time. Father, when they walk out, they will know that they have been with you. Thank you for your great love for us and for your wisdom and understanding. We sit and we receive all that you have for in Jesus' name. Let the church say, amen. All right. The reason for the no room in the end. Uh, no vacancy, whatever you want to say. There was no room in the end for these guys. So we're going to kind of see a little bit of history real quick um, in uh, Luke chapter 2. Luke's version of um, this story is the one that everybody reads at Christmas, yeah? Luke 2. Somebody's got to read Luke 2, okay? Read Luke 2. All right, nobody wants to read like Leviticus chapter 1 in Christmas, right? <laughs> I mean, if you do, that would be kind of just see what happens. Let me know. Luke chapter 2, verse 1, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be... Right? That means he's about to tax somebody, right? But was Caesar Augustus a Christian? He was not. So you guys know that God can do wonderful things even though and use people for your good even though they're not Christian. Amen? God can work through the government. Yeah? Sometimes we're like, no. But he does, right? Nothing, nobody, no political figure, no, no country, no, uh, no hierarchy is outside of God's control. None of them, none of them. So this was not this. This too falls into that category. Right? This census first took place while Cornelius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called. Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of who? David. Now, David was a king. Why is Joseph not a king? Why is Joseph not king of Judea or king of, of uh, the city of David or king of Nazareth? Or, why is David not a king? He's, he's in the line of being a king. He's in the lineage of David, right? Um, they went there to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was also with child. So this is interesting because both Joseph and Mary come from a line of kingship. Mary's line comes from David's other son, Nathan. Anybody know Nathan Hot Dogs? Has nothing to do with it, but I always think of that when I see the name Nathan. It may have something to do with it. Do some research. Let me know. That's the last thing I think about when I eat a Nathan Hot Dog, though. Is this Mary's, like, anthill? All right, so Jesus actually has a double claim to being king. A double claim. Because both his mom and his earthly father come from a kingship. Yes? 
Look, look at uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 38. Luke has a genealogy of Jesus. And this is interesting. Luke's, Luke is all about, when you read the whole gospel of Luke, it's about Jesus as man. He came as man, right? When you read Matthew's, it's Jesus came as king. Are you with me? Jesus, his, his, his book is all geared toward Jesus being the king. But in Luke, it's geared toward Jesus being the man, coming as man. And this is interesting because in Luke 3.38, this is the genealogy, right? It goes all the way back to who? The son of Enoch, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. So when you see Luke, Luke goes all the way back to Adam. Matthews doesn't. Why? Because the book of Luke is all about Jesus being the perfect man. And if he's the perfect man, he's got to go all the way back to Adam. Are you with me? All right. So now let's go to Matthew's version. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, why would it be David in front of Abraham? Who came first? Abraham. So why would it say the son of David first? You ever thought about that? Who was David? He was a king. David in the Bible. David Kia Shack. That's not the David in the Bible. <laughs> David drove a Kia? <laughs> okay, I can do this all day. Let me take this off. David who? Um, so, yeah. So, so, so Matthews goes all the way back to or it goes all the way back to the son of david the king he, he portraying jesus as king showing jesus is going to be the king the book of the genealogy of jesus christ the son of david the son of abraham abraham begot isaac isaac begot jacob and jacob begot judah and his brothers see beget 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 so now you're going to see and we don't have time to go through all of them so we drop down to verse 16 and we see and jacob begot joseph see it's always the father begot the son but right here it says, Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. It doesn't say, now, if, if you read 1 through 16, it should say Joseph begot Jesus. But it doesn't. The Holy Spirit is guarding the fact that Mary was a virgin. And that we know from last week, right, that the, the mother, the baby never received one drop of the mother's blood. Not one. Jesus' blood was God's blood. And it would be that blood that would be shed for your sins. Amen? So that's why it says, uh, it, it states it like this. It doesn't say Joseph begot Jesus. Jesus' blood was tainted. So was Mary's. But Mary's blood doesn't enter the womb. Amen? The father is the one who determines the blood of the child. And Jesus' father is God. And it's perfect blood. Are you with me? All right. So let's go back to Luke 2. Um... Verse 6, so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And I sent this out to some of y'all. If you're looking for Jesus, man, it is like, wow, Jesus is everywhere, right? So when you think of baby delivery, you think like the baby's going to be delivered. But who's being delivered here? The days were completed for her to be delivered, right? And then you can go into the Greek and you can see that it does mean that Mary was giving birth, producing fruit, right? But I love the way that the Holy Spirit just worded it right here. Who really, at the end of the day, who's really being delivered? Mary, right? And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. The holy family who has a line from the kingship of David, there was no room for him. They should have owned that house. And it was a house, an inn. They should have owned it. Now, what is interesting about this inn is if you go back, I'm going to show you through Scripture where this inn 
came from. You ready? All right. So now it happened. This is 2 Samuel 17. David's on the run. David had a son named Absalom. Very beautiful man in a biblical way. Very beautiful man. The Bible said he was handsome. More handsome than David. And he started to win the hearts of the people. And the people, and so he was going to kill his dad so that he could have it all, right? So his dad went on the run. His dad was running, 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 running. And he, but David had his mighty men who came with him. And then there were some, some guys that helped him out along the way. So that's where we're going to pick it up. 2 Samuel 17, verse 27. Now it happened when David had come to uh, Manhattan that Shobi, the son of uh, Nahash from Robah. You know, when God created me, and allowed me to grow up in Southeast Gainesville, in Lincoln Estates, he probably was laughing because he knew one day I'd be up here preaching, trying to speak Greek and Hebrew. He said, that's going to be funny. He's like, Michael, I can't wait for that day to happen. And here we are, all right? So don't be judging me. Robot of the people of Ammon, Machir, the son of Amelia, Emil from Lodabar. Lodabar is a bar out on Wallow Road. Y'all have been there laughing because y'all know what I'm talking about. No, I'm just joking. Right around the corner from Papa Top. Why you let you know what that is? <laughs> All right, so we got Mashir, and then look at this third guy. What's the third guy's name? Barzillai. Barzillai. Barzillai, uh, the Gileadite from Roglam. All right, brought beds and basins and earthen vessels and wheat, barley flour. So these three guys brought David a bunch of stuff because he didn't have anything. He was on the run, and, and, and they were there for him. Sometimes, listen to me, sometimes, when, when things are going bad for you, that's when you really find out who your true friends are. That's when you really know who's going to really be there for you, right? And David is figuring that out right now with these three guys. But this Barzillai guy is the guy I want you to see. Now, uh, they brought honey and curds. They basically brought everything. The people are hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. So these guys helped David while he was on the run. All right, so you fast forward to, to, to chapter 19. And, and Absalom dies. See, and jo Joab was told, behold, the king is weeping and mourning for Absalom. Absalom died. So now David's on his way back to retake his kingdom. Are you ready? He's on his way back. He, 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 was, he was taken care of while he was on the run. Now he's going back to retake it, to take his proper place. He loved Absalom so much. He could have killed him, but he loved his son so much he didn't want to do it. He would rather run. So when his son died, he truly did. Even though his son was trying to kill him, he really was tore up about it. It was his son. Drop down to verse 31. And Barzillai, see, the Gileadite. Barzillai, the Gileadite, came down from the Roglam and went across the Jordan with the king to escort him across the Jordan. Uh, and Barzillai was a very aged man, 80 years old. And he had provided the king with supplies while he stayed at uh, Maranam. So, so what I want you to, oh, and he was a very rich man. So what I want you to see is, is David never forgot this guy. He never forgot him, that he took care of him when he didn't have to. We all have some people like that in our lives, right, that stepped up when, we, when they didn't really have to. Would you agree? Yeah, David, and you never forget those guys or, or ladies when they do that. All right, and, and the king said to Barzillai, come across with me and I will provide for you while you are with me in Jerusalem. He's like, now nah, I'm going to take care of you, right? But Barzillai said to the king, how long uh, have I to live that I should go up with the king to Jerusalem? I am 80 years old. Can I discern between good and bad? Can, you, can your servant taste what I eat or what I drink? Uh, can I hear any longer the voice of singing men and singing women? Why then should your servant be a further burden to, to my lord and the king? 
your servant will go a little way across the Jordan with you, with the king. And why should the king repay me with such a reward? Please let your servant turn back again that I may die in my own city near the grave of my father and mother. But here is your servant, Kim Hum. Say Kim Hum. Kim Hum. Okay. Kim Hum is very important. Now it says servant, but it's actually his son. Okay. It's his son, Kim Hum. Kim Hum. Let him cross over with my Lord, the king, and do for him what seems good to you. He's like, look, I'm old. I'm going to go back and die in my own city. But take my son and, and let him go with you and bless him. Okay? That's basically what he's saying. And the king answered, Kim Hum shall cross over with me, and I will do for him what seems good to you. Now, whatever you request of me, I will do for you. Then all the people went over the Jordan, and when the king had crossed over, the king kissed Barzillai and blessed him, and he returned to his own place. Now the king went on to Gilgah, and Kimhom went on with him, and all the people of Judah escorted the king, and also half the people of Israel. Now, there's Bible commentaries out there. There's Jewish um, historians that will tell you that they believe that, that David bestowed upon Kim home his own house because he was going he didn't need it he was going back to be what the king so there's commentaries that'll tell you that 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 David gave Kim home his own house because it, I'll show you in just a second why why that's important because when David died right David was on his deathbed he gave his son Solomon a hit list like he said man kill this guy kill this guy kill this guy oh yeah kill this guy because all these guys had done David wrong. You go read it. First Kings chapter 2. There was one person that David had something good to say about. Just one. On his deathbed. And it's found in verse 7 of that chapter. But show, but show kindness to the sons of Barzillai the Gileadite. And let them be among those who eat at your table. For so they came to me when I fled from Absalom your brother. When, when you see eat at the table, that means let them be in your house. Adopt them. And so that's exactly what Solomon did. And that's why many people believe that in a couple more verses you'll see that, that, that David gave Kimhom his house because he didn't need it. He was going back to Jerusalem, which was a couple miles away. Everybody with me? So there was this inn, right? So Kimhom had David's house. Now back to the inn. The inn... In the, Old, in the Old Testament, there's a story of a, of a guy, Ishmael, who went and kidnapped a bunch of people, women and children, right? And then this guy, Johanna, went and got them and, and, and rescued them, okay? And this is where that story is. That's in Jeremiah 41, all right? So check this out. Then Johanna, anybody know what Johanna means? God's grace. God's grace. God's grace will always rescue you, amen? God's grace will always rescue you. Then Johanna, the son of uh, Kerry, and all the captains of the forces that were with him took from Mitzvah all the rest of the people whom he had recovered from Ishmael, the son of the Neo, uh, the Nethanian or whatever, after he had murdered Gedaliah, the son of Anakim, the mighty men of war and women of the children and the eunuchs whom he had brought back from Gibeon. So this, all that to say, this guy, Johanna, went and rescued him from Ishmael. Okay, verse 17. And they departed and dwelt in the habitation of who? Kimom, which was near. Bethlehem as they went on their way to Egypt. So he rescued all these women and children and on their way back they stayed at an inn. They stayed at the habitation of Kimhom in Bethlehem. Are you with me? Some of you are like, 
We're talking about the house, right? The inn, where it came from. All right, so where did David get his house? Back then, culturally, some, in some places today, the house is passed down, family to family, right? Look at Matthew 6 again. It says uh, in, verse, and in verse 6, chapter 1, verse 6, it says, And Jesse begot David, the king. So who was David's dad? Jesse, right? And, and, Je- and, and then David, the king, begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. That's very interesting, by the way. <laughs> um, you guys, that, the, the, the cool part about that is Solomon is the side that Joseph would have come from, right? Joseph uh, marries Joseph. So that house should have been his. There should have been room there. There's a reason why there was no room there. I'm going to show you. Uh, so, yeah. So David had a son named Solomon, and and it was um, it was by her who had been Bathsheba, right? So why is this in here? Anybody ever wonder why it says it like that? We got to know that in the genealogy of the Savior of the world, there's a woman who had an affair. So if you think because of your past that God doesn't love you, you are completely wrong. People say, what's up with this this Matthew chapter 1? It's so boring. It's all beget, beget, beget. There's a reason why it's there. Everything in Scripture has a purpose. And if you've been condemning yourself because of your past, woman or man, this should give you hope that in the genealogy of Jesus, there's actually four women who are not perfect. Amen? Even the verse right before this. Who is, who is, Je- who is Jesse's dad? We know David's dad. Who is Jesse's dad? Obed begot Jesse, right? Who was, who was Obed's mom and dad? Ruth and Boaz. Ruth is a Moabitess. By law, she can't even be near a Jewish person. God cursed the Moabites. But here we have a beautiful story of Ruth. Amen? Who was who uh, Boaz and Ruth? Who was Boaz's mom and dad? Bam. She married a fish. <laughs> Look, that's not. don't send an email. It's a joke. Solomon begot Boaz by Rahab. By Rahab, the, the harlot who let down a scarlet robe. That's a picture of Christ. Amen? The redemption work of Christ. And, 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 and so, so the house gets passed on. David has a house in Bethlehem, right outside of Bethlehem. Now, look at this in Luke 2. Go back here. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. There was no room for the royal family in that inn. It should have been theirs. But it wasn't. And there's a reason why. Because he was denied access so that we could have access. Amen? He was denied that there was no favor for him there because he knew that we would have the favor because he was taking our place. He was redeeming us from the curse of the law. That's what Christ did. So even down to the fact that there was no room in the inn, we read over that all the time. But there's a meaning behind that because there was no room for him. He made room for me. And now wherever I go, guess what? I bring the blessings of God with me. You know why? Because they're tied to me. They're in me. I have. I ain't trying to get it. I have the blessings of Abraham in me. You know why? Because of Jesus. So wherever I go, I bring favor. And, that's, and if you know me, I am not, well, no, no. Um, I'm not being cocky. You have that same favor. It's a favor that can only come from the Lord. Wherever you go, you go into a restaurant, there's nobody in there. All of a sudden, you, you stop, you turn around, you look, there's people coming in there. You are blessing that you brought favor to that restaurant. People are like, that's a coincidence. You think about it how you want to think about it. But I have favor in my comings and in my going. Wherever my feet touch, whatever my hands touch, wherever my eyes look at, I bring the favor of God. And so do you. It's been given to you. So there was no room in the end so that he made room for us. Now, look at Micah chapter 4, 8. 
this is interesting, the sacrificial lambs, right? We, we saw this last week. It's going to be a little review for some of you. And you, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, to you shall it come. Even the former dominion shall come, the kingdom and the daughter of Jerusalem. Migdal Eder is the tower of the flock, right? That's a place, tower of the flock. Do we have a picture? Yeah, there it is right there, right? That's it. That's the, it's still standing today. It's, it's Migdal Eder. It means tower of the flock. What flock? Sacrificial lambs, right? So Jewish history books tell us that this is where they kept the sacrificial lambs to be sacrificed on Yom Kippur. With me? All right. Where is it? Wow, that's interesting. Now, who owned David's house like before David did? Like who originally had that house? Is Jacob in David's genealogy? Yes, he is. So check this out. Genesis 35. We saw this last week. And it was as her soul was departing for she died that she called his name Ben-Oni, but his father called him Benjamin. Uh, this is Rachel. She died. Rachel was his favorite, Jacob's favorite wife. So Rachel died and was buried. Some of you ladies that were there Wednesday night, I want you to notice I didn't use the joke, and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is, Bethlehem. So Rachel died, and she was buried where? Today, Rachel's tomb is still there. You can go and visit it, take pictures of it. You can look it up on the internet. Rachel's tomb is there, right? So, so he, he and, and Jacob set a pillar on her grave, which is a pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. That's true, still there today. So, then Israel journeyed and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Adair. So Rachel's tomb is by the tower of Adair, where they keep the sacrificial animals. And who else's house is now there? He pitched his tent. It's where he claimed the property. It's where he built his house. Where is it? Bethlehem. Okay? The sacrificial lambs, they would use them at Medel there. They would, they, would, they would take them to the, to the temple, which was just a couple miles away from where they were. Okay? It's just outside the gates of Jerusalem. So uh, Israel, notice that, you remember we told you last week how Jacob, he, he had a name change right there. Like whenever you see a name change, something powerful is going on there. Like Peter, Simon to Peter, right? Uh, Saul to Paul, right? There's always a, a thing. So here we have where it says Jacob, and then it says Israel. Same person, but there's something about this. Why is verse 21 so important? Why was there a name change there? Why did God want us to draw us our attention to that verse with the name change? You got to know what the tower of the flock is. Mcdell air there, right? So go back to 1 Samuel 16. Now, there is in Mcdell there right here in this picture. This is right outside of Bethlehem, right? Right outside of the, 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 the temple walls and all that, you got Magdal at there where they keep the sacrificial lambs. And then you got the watchtower where the shepherds would be watching over those sacrificial lambs. Are you with me? And then you got the, the house that Jacob built right around the corner from this. And then you got Rachel's tomb. And it was just down, down throughout family. It was there. Now, what was David's job when he was a kid? So I submit to you, that he wasn't just shepherding any old flock because his daddy's house is right by the Tower of Magdal Adair, Tower of the Flock. Are you with me? And here's where I got that from. All right, so look, you go to uh, 1 Samuel 16. And Samuel said to Jesse, are, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is, keeping the, the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. Brother can relate. And the Lord, the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. This is the one. 
Now, that's interesting because he's a shepherd. He's watching over sheep. I want you to know God doesn't do anything by random. Everything has a purpose. Everything has a purpose. And if all those sheep in that tower there were sacrificial lambs, there was one coming that would be the final sacrificial lamb. And so David's not just any shepherd boy. If you think about in terms of location, where this place is, right? Here's another one about David, just the same chapter. Then one of the servants answered and said, Look, I have seen a son of Jesse, that the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and handsome person, and the Lord is with him. How many of you guys would love somebody to explain that somebody like that's you, right? Describe, describe Troy for me. Well, let me do this. He is skillful in playing. The brother can sing. He's a man of valor. That brother's a man of wars, not physical war, spiritual war, right? <laughs> he's prudent in his speech, especially when he's doing Greek and Hebrew. And that brother's good looking. That would have been a good spot for an amen. I'm just saying where two or three are gathered, it's going to happen. I don't need y'all to tell me who I am. I know who I am. Somehow it became about me. Do y'all mind if we get back to Scripture? Therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. Right? All right, now look, last one. First uh, Samuel 17. David was the youngest, and the, and the three oldest followed Saul. But David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at, at Bethlehem, where the tower of the flock is. Bethlehem's outside the city gates, a couple miles from the temple. Migdal Adair's right by Rachel's tomb where they keep the sacrificial lambs. Amen? So I would submit to you that David was no ordinary shepherd boy and that his house would in fact become Kim Hum's inn. This is a manger, right? We saw this last week. Whenever you see a, a wooden manger at, a, at, a, at, a, at an event, go knock it over. Say, that's, that's, that's a lie. <laughs> just If you visit another church, just walk up and go, that's a lie. <laughs> and if you do, please have somebody film it just so we can watch it. You're like, babe, check this out. They actually did it. I'm joking. This is a picture from Megiddo. Uh, this is Solomon's stables. This is They're still there. You can go visit. You can go tour them today. Uh, this is a, 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 a picture of a, of a manger in Solomon's stables where he used to keep it, obviously, animals. So why is that important? Luke 2, 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Let me show you the real, the meaning of this thing. Uh, this is... Fante, where we get our, where we get the word eat from, okay? Eat. Um, see, it says right there, to eat, the root word, to eat. Now, that's interesting because why would, why would you put food in a trough like that for the animals to, to eat, right? To eat. So, this is where we get the fact that, that that thing, if you look at that and you look at the tomb that Jesus was died in, buried in, I should say, they look exactly the same. It was hewn out stone. That's hewn out stone. His grave was hewn out stone. In other words, Jesus was born to die. He was born to die. Here's the other cool thing is, is you put stuff in a feeding trough to eat, to feed, to feed upon. What happens when you, when you well, according to the Bible, according to Jesus, when you, when, you, when you eat Jesus, right? It confused a lot of people. But what is he saying? He's saying we have life. The more we feed on Christ, the more life we have. Amen? So he was, he was put in a feeding trough for a reason. God doesn't do anything random. You agree? All right. Uh, we did the, the thing. So go. So basically, if you go to this and it says to eat, Jesus was wrapped in swaddling clothes, though, and placed in that manger, in that, right? 
So in the shepherds, when the angels showed up to the shepherds who were in the field, by the way, there's no field inside Jerusalem. It's on the outside where Bethlehem is. And he says, hey, glory to God in the highest. I want you to know today, today is a good day. Today is a good day. Savior of the world is here. And this will be a sign. You will find that baby wrapped, swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. A sign, a sign. Think about it, a sign. And I told you last minute, there's, there's hundreds, if not thousands of mangers throughout that city. Because they're like carports. Everybody has a donkey. Anybody know what a carport is, you young guys? Garages. So, so we have, how did, what was the sign? A sign is something different, out of the ordinary. What was the sign? The sign is that that baby would be wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Lying in one of those, wrapped in swaddling clothes. You know why those shepherds knew exactly where to go? You know how they, know, they knew exactly? Angel, Michael didn't give them directions, and they're dudes. They ain't going to ask for it. You know how they knew? You know how they knew? Because I'm, I submit to you that they were shepherds who were watching over sacrificial lambs. And the sign that was different would be that a baby would be placed in one of those things. Because what they did back in the day was when a, when a, uh, a sacrificial lamb was born, they had to wrap it in swaddling clothes because, and then put it in, in a manger. You know why? So, so it wouldn't get scratched up. You ever see a calf get born? You ever see a sheep get born? A horse? They come out, they like plop them down, it shakes the earth, and then they run around like, like I did in college, and you're like, y'all laughing because y'all were there. Bobby, I know you were there. And I'm not talking about like, like my seminary college. That was a different time in my life. Amen? Those shepherds knew where to go because they knew that they would wrap lambs. Wrapping a lamb and putting it in one of those is not a sign. They see it all the time there. But when you wrap a baby and put it in one of those, that's different. That's different. And so they knew exactly where to go because there would be a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a feeding trough. Isn't that beautiful? And then three kings come, right? They're not kings, by the way. They're king makers. King makers. And what do they bring? Gold. Gold represents the deity of God. Amen? All throughout Scripture, that's what gold represents. Frankincense. Frankincense represents life. Everything that Jesus did was life. He healed. He spoke life. Amen? He died to give us life. That's what frankincense represents. An aroma fragrant aroma to God, right? It's life. Myrrh. What was Jesus buried in? Anybody know? They put something on him. Yeah, they, they, they put myrrh on it when they wrapped him. So that represents his death. So those three king makers, when they brought those three things, there's a reason they brought them. God has a, a perfect layout of the gospel. And, it's, and it's, our, it's to our blessing. It's to our benefit to go back and see it. Amen? And so when I tell you that those shepherds were in the field, and, and, and it was glory to God in the highest. And it was in the middle of the night. The middle of the night. The darkest part of the night, right? That the, the, the sky's lit up. And isn't that interesting? That too goes back to the fact that when Jesus died, it was, in, it was in the daytime it was put on the cross. But then it got black in the daytime. By the way, where, where, where God is, there can be no darkness. There can't be any darkness. And that's why that, that, that listen, don't, you know when that song comes on, I want to be in the light as you are in the light. Man, turn that. If you own it, get rid of it. Because if you're a believer, you cannot walk out of the light. The light's in you. We're going to try and shake God out of you. And where God is, there can't be darkness. Will you still sin? Yes. But the fact that you're still in light tells you something. That his grace is greater than your sin. You can't shake the light. I tried. You can't. How many of you guys have tried to shake the light? Because you think deep down you don't deserve it. And you don't deserve it. That's why it's called grace. 
you get what you don't deserve. You know why? Because Jesus got what he didn't deserve. Hey, I need a bat. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful, church? That's why all those lambs that were in Megdal Adair, that were there where David was, that were there where the shepherds were, all those lambs, the reason Jesus was born there was because all those lambs, God was saying, all these lambs are pointing to this baby. All the, the things that those lambs could not do, they couldn't. You know what they did? Those sacrifices were good for one year. Yom Kippur, one year. Hebrews 10 tells you this, right? This, so that you have this lamb, and the high priest brings it, and, and if, uh, if, if God accepts the lamb, then, then the people that the high priest represents will be blessed for a year. If God rejects the lamb, if it's not perfect, there will be no bumper crops or fruitfulness for a year. You with me? That's an earthly high priest. We have a heavenly high priest who's perfect, who represents us. And because he's perfect, God blesses us, not based on us, based on our high priest, who's Jesus. He's perfect. Would you rather, would you want to be represented by, by you want me to represent you? Like if you're a year ahead, depended on it. And you saw me walk up here to talk to God. Would you be nervous? I mean, you don't have to answer as a rhetorical question. You don't need to spit out stuff. Keep it to yourself. No, man. But if you knew Jesus was your representative, your advocate, you'd be like, yeah, yes. Amen. I can't even hear what they're saying, but I know it's going to be good. Yeah. You ever get nervous when people are like talking and they're like looking at you? Right. You don't have to worry about that with Jesus. He's your advocate. All he sees on you are the blessings. All he sees on you is righteousness because he took it all. He took it all. So there's no, no guesswork out there. He says, I write these things so that you may know. Not that you may wonder. No. All those lambs, all those lambs were pointing to this baby, this Christmas baby. So why? The very last verse we have on here is John 129. When John looked, he said the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Not the church, the world. The world's sin is taken care of. They just don't know who paid for it. And it's our role to go out there. It should be our joy to be able to go out there and tell them without condemning them. Go out there and tell them who loves them. Go out there and say, man, Jesus loves you right where you are. Because you know why? He came in the darkest part of your life. Darkest part of the night, Christ came. Why everybody was still sleeping, Christ came. Why everybody was still sinning, Christ died. The Lamb of God who takes away, doesn't cover it up. The old, the old things covered up sin. Nothing could take away sin except Jesus, the blood of Jesus. All the old lambs, they would cover sin for a year. But Jesus took it away. Did he do a good job? It's gone. Sin is dealt with. Sin is paid for. Hebrews 9 says when Christ comes back, it has nothing to do with sin. So when you get somebody up here that tells you, hey, one day you're going to have to answer. No, you're going to answer for why you didn't receive the payment. Sin's paid for. People don't go to hell because they sin. They go to hell because they did not receive the payment. Jesus. Sin's paid for. All of it. Amen? Jesus is the perfect lamb. And the reason there was no room in that inn, he was making a way for us to be accepted. Isn't that beautiful? Would you guys stand with me? And uh, how many of you guys are just taken back by how good God is? Like, like how just seeing some of this stuff, maybe for the first time, you're like, God is smarter than I thought he was. <laughs> like, like for somebody to go back and do all, somebody to, to, to know all this from the get-go, 
from the jump. He knew it from the get-go, man. He knew all of it. And, and we're just now finding this stuff out. The Bible is a lie. And the more you get in it, the more you spend time with it, man. I have a full-time job. Two, three, four, if you count Kelly. I, listen, I... <laughs> And some people have asked me how to, you know, when do you do your sermons and all that, man? Because I'm not the, the typical pastor. We don't, we have jobs. But man, when you can't, it, sometimes pastors will sit there and I've seen them. They'll sit in, a, in, in their office and they'll work on a message for the next week. They'll spend hours upon hours. They'll write down what they want to say and write it down so they don't forget because they want to make that point. Everything we do is spirit led. And I say, I say that with confidence in the Lord. Because I can turn around and look at a verse and I, and I can I can just hear it. I can see what the Lord is saying. And, and we see Jesus in everything. And so we don't study the Bible to preach. We study the Bible because we can't get enough of it. I mean, we love it. We'll call each other. We'll text each other. We're like, hey, man, did you see this? Did you see that? What do you think about this? You, you get so excited, man. And I want to tell you that, that that's what that's what his word does when you see Jesus in it. When you have life. And you have life so much more abundant, you can't wait to share it with people. When I went to church for 12 years at, at another church, I, I I never wanted to talk about the Bible, man. I just didn't. I did, I, 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 honestly, I just dreaded reading it because I, I, I had this check-the-box mentality. Not anymore, man. I love looking for Jesus in the Scripture because that's where I find life. I feed on Him. What are you feeding on? Are you sick? Feed on Jesus. Are you in need of finances? Feed on Jesus. Are you looking uh, for no condemnation? Feed on Jesus. Feed on Jesus. Feed on Jesus. Feed on Jesus. He is the answer to every single problem you or are going to have. When, when, when churches say, hey, you need to learn about Jesus. It's not enough to learn about Jesus. You need to feed on Jesus. I can learn about people all day long, but it's what you feed. You are what you eat. Amen? You are what you eat. You, what you are today is a result of what you ate yesterday. Amen? Look, don't put your heads down, some of you. I know, I, look, I've been running for the last three days. But isn't it true? You are what you eat. And so what are you feeding on, church? It's not enough just to learn about Jesus, man. Feed on him. Feed on him. Every single day, feed on Jesus. Disconnect. Not from Jesus, but we need to disconnect from some of the stuff we're doing. We're so busy. So busy. How many of you guys know that back when you were kids, Saturdays, you didn't, you didn't say, what am I going to be late for? Did you? On a Saturday? No one said that as a kid. What am I going to be late for? But what do we do now? We're so busy, busy, busy. This is not condemnation. This say, hey, wake up. Feed on Jesus. Unplug from the world, even if it's for an hour. Sometimes we're so addicted to that stuff, man. If we unplug for an hour and take baby steps, unplug from Twitter, unplug from Facebook, unplug from all that social stuff, man, and just focus on the Lord. Start thanking him for stuff. Because the more you focus on that worldly stuff, man, I'm telling you, it's not, listen, it's, it's not bad it's not bad i'm not saying it's bad don't do it i'm saying i'm saying what are you feeding on the most because that will tell you what's the most important thing to you and man jesus wants as paul said earlier jesus he wants you to feed on him remember he told the 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 the, the, the disciples when they came back to the well uh he had met with that woman who had five husbands and she was living with one six the seventh the perfect man came and sat with her he was hungry he told the disciples go get some food they came back he goes I got food y'all don't even know about. You know what food he had? The woman was drawing from him. She went to the well to get water. She came to him and got living water. And it filled him up. So draw from Jesus. When you feed on him, draw from him, eat from him. It fills him up. 
it, it makes him excited to know that you're trusting him. And I'm not perfect at it, but I'm telling you, man, it, the more we start to do it, baby steps, man, it becomes a habit, becomes something you want to do. I'm not, I don't spend time with Kelly because I have to. I spend time because I know I bless her. It got too serious for a second. I spend time with her because I want to. I want to. She's my wife. I mean, I love hanging out with her. My favorite time of the day is getting to bed at the end of the day when everything's done. We just sit there and talk. It's beautiful, man. But I'm not doing it to check a box. I'm doing it because I love her. That's the way the Lord designed us. He wants you to feel that way about him because he loves you. For this is love. Not that we love God, that God first loved us and gave us his son Jesus in a manger, in a feeding trough. Isn't that beautiful? Would you give the Lord a hand this morning? If you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, maybe you thought you did. Maybe you maybe you thought there was some kind of relationship there at some point. Maybe you thought that that you're only forgiven based on whether or not you can remember to confess your sin. Let me set you free. Bible says that if you confess Jesus with your mouth, doesn't say confess your sin, does it? It says confess Jesus with your mouth and believe in your heart. God raised him from the dead. That's it. What does it say? You shall be saved. There's no class you can take. There's no other steps you can take. You just speak that out by faith. You believe that Jesus is your Savior. He saved you from your sin debt. And now you know he's alive, which means it was paid for. And now you're saved. God made it simple. Religious people hijacked it. Amen? So pray this prayer with me. Everybody just repeat after me. Bow your heads if you would. Say, Father, I need you. I long for you. These moments are what I long for. Thank you for loving me and sending Jesus for me. I confess with my mouth Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I believe that he's alive today because you raised him. Thank you for saving me from judgment, condemnation, your wrath. And I am seated in the heavenly places forever. Thank you for putting my name in your book of life. And it's all because you sent your son, Jesus Christ, the one. Amen. Amen. Give him a hand. Hey, listen. If you prayed that prayer, you prayed that prayer, you are saved. You're not saved until you sign a membership sheet. You're, sheet, sheet. Whew. You're not saved until you take a 10-week class. You are saved right where you are. Because that's how much the Lord loves you. Amen? So if you have prayer requests, I want you guys to find me afterwards, man. I want to meet you in a room back there. We got oil. Dwayne and I can both pray over you. We can break up. We got the oil. We'll pray. We'll anoint you. We'll remind you who you are. We'll remind you whose you are. Amen? We'll remind you the hope you have in Christ. A confident expectation is coming your way. Of good is coming your way. If you have that prayer request in mind, just find us afterwards. If you're looking for a church, this is who we are. It's what we believe. We won't change. We won't go back. I won't go back. I can't go back. Dwayne, come up, bro. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I do have a couple of um, prayer requests that were brought to me. We're going to pray for them, and then we'll release you guys. So we're going to lift up um, um, Kevin and, and Caitlin Johnson's little baby girl, Kalea, she's um, been dealing with a little viral infection. Miss Bonnie's mom, Miss Irene, we're going to lift her up. She had a recent heart attack, right? And uh, she's recovering, but um, just needs some favor. 
uh, with her medical care benefits. So, amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much once again for your faithfulness, Lord. We thank you for showing up in our lives, God, and doing things that only you can do. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have made a way for us, not only a way of escape, but you've invited us unto yourself, Father, and you said to come boldly and freely, Lord, as your sons and as your daughters, God. And we come to you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord, that we can come boldly and freely and without any fear, Father. For you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And so we thank you, Lord, for giving us the opportunity to come before you and to make our prayers and petitions known. Father, we thank you for those that you've put on our hearts and our minds, Father, to lift up to you today, Father. And so we just lift up uh, uh, the Johnson family and their baby girl, Lord, and we just speak life and health and healing over her, Father. We thank you, Lord, that although the enemy uh, has plans for her, your plans are greater. And, Father, your plans, Father, uh, the ones that are going to come uh, true are going to come come to pass. And, Father, we just thank you for giving them uh, just a testimony of your faithfulness and allowing them to know you as a God who heals. Thank you for being the great physician in their lives. We lift up uh, Bonnie's mom, Miss Irene, Lord. We thank you for her. We thank you for all that you've done to to uh, restore her health, Father. We just thank you for the favor uh, of God that you would set her path straight, Father, that you would uh, give her f favor with those who are um, watching over her, Father, who are making decisions about her medical care and her benefits, Father. We thank you, Father, for supplying all of her need according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus, Lord. We thank you for the corners. We thank you, Father, for uh, touching their lives and causing them to be healed, Father. We thank you for just the testimony of your faithfulness in their lives, Lord, in all of our lives. And so, God, we just bless you today. We thank you uh, just for allowing us to come into this place today and to receive from you, to meet with you, God, to be with you, to commune with you. And we thank you that... Uh, that you're going to give us even greater opportunities today, Father, to continue the fellowship and just be in your presence. We thank you, Father, for just the blessing of the Lord that makes one rich and that you add no sorrow to it. Thank you, Father, for just allowing us to, again, be in your presence and be blessed by the best. We ask you to just continue to order our steps and give us opportunities to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Let the church say amen. Amen. We are dismissed.